Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. It's a great blessing for me to be able to reach out to not only my wonderful congregation here in Dallas, but to all of our Saints Network family who are listening from many different locations here in North America and as well from so many places around the world. We are a, we are a big family and we are growing by the grace and the mercy of our Heavenly Father. And you know what? This is only going to continue as uh, we are transitioning now spiritually into a point of prophetic ministry, the year of the prophet. You know, it's kind of like sometimes you go to uh, a Chinese restaurant or especially if you're in uh, San Francisco or maybe in New York and Chinatown. You see these people all talking about the year of the rooster, the year of this, year of that. We should have, we should have a um, a placemat that we could put on our uh, our tables of fellowship that says, "The year of the teacher, the year of uh, of the prophet, you know, the year of grace," and list what those things are, because. God has really put us in that partnership with his ways. Uh, you know, many years ago, God began to speak about what his word says in regard to the seven spirits. You know, I was raised a, a classic Pentecostal uh, based on uh, fundamental Christianity principles. And that's one of the things we have in common with our brothers and sisters who perhaps are not yet Pentecostal. I, I have developed friendships with people in the work world um, that God has forged uh, friendships. We, uh, we, we come together through the bond of the blood of Jesus and being born again, and that is a wonderful thing. And as, as I talk with them, I discover what I knew all along, that the cardinal things that we all believe in are basically the same. And the point is, is that when the Pentecostal movement began, two things really happened to forge our doctrinal positions. Number one, every most of the people that came out of uh, came came in Pentecost came from someplace else. And secondly, the, um, the beauty of, of um, the, the essential things in Christianity are shared by everyone who is a student of the Word and who has accepted Christ as Savior. And so, for the most part, the, the initial Pentecostal, uh, with some exceptions, the initial Pentecostal viewpoints came from scholars uh, out of the Christian Missionary Alliance or the straight, straight out of the fundamentalist Baptist beliefs or, uh, or various streams that flowed together that were similar. So it's very interesting that when I sit down and talk to a brother who's Baptist, I have a number of very good friends who are Southern Baptist or traditional Baptist, you know, I, I just say, look, you know me, I'm not some crazy guy that goes running around cutting off chickens' heads and handling snakes. I love the Lord, and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, which you say you do too. The thing that I do that's different than you is I speak in tongues. You should speak in tongues, but I'm not going to make that an arguing point. Um, you know, Apostle Paul went to Ephesus and, you know, those folks were on fire for God. They had not received the baptism. They had not received the Holy Ghost in speaking in other tongues yet. But their initial contact was solid, strong. The belief in John's repentance mission and 
the acceptance of the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing that we share these things together, you know, the, the saving efficacy of Jesus, you know, God coming to earth, fully man, fully God, the blood of Jesus cleansing from all sin, home in heaven, the power and the majesty of the word of God. All these things and more are foundational for all of us. And those, in, in fact, are the essentials. You, you, if you don't believe those and if you're not participating in those, the jury's out as to whether you really are born again. <laughs> now, I know that I cherish the, the, the measure of being spirit-filled. I, I cherish that. But I know that there are a lot of believers who love the Lord, who've accepted Christ as Savior, who are walking in, in a, a, a good life, praying for things, studying the Scripture. And I have no doubt those people are born again whether they speak in tongues or not. And one day we'll be in heaven together, I believe. So I'm not going to argue over things that are any more. This is probably not a good illustration, but if, if you have somebody who has a, a more holistic lifestyle, somebody who works out diligently, who watches what their body receives as an intake in food and nutrients. And, you know, they have a friend who just lives on McDonald's food and their, their exercise is getting up, walking from bed to the shower, changing clothes, walking to the car, driving to work. And their nighttime exercise is walking to get the remote control for the TV and getting up to either go to the bathroom or get food. Those people are very different. One chooses a more expansive lifestyle, but yet they're, they're both friends. They, they have life. And so I, I am firmly confident that God, especially in this crazy world that we're living in, we are going to have to come alongside those who and join together in the basics of Christianity. <clears throat> and I'm not saying accepting some false doctrine or some heresy. That We cannot be unequally yoked with that. I know some people say, you're not inclusive, you're, you're being restrictive. No, I'm not. You know, get with it. I mean, I'm so tired of that lame argument. You know, when my children were growing up, I watched as much as I could the types of things that their friends were doing. And if there was a kid that was engaging in activities that were wrong, I, I wouldn't let my kid go and spend time with them. Was I being a bad parent? Was I being somebody who didn't engage in social interaction? No, I was just preserving my child so that they didn't also become infected by false behaviors and false doctrines. Anybody with a normal mindset would do that kind of thing. You know, we live in this pandemic seasoned world and there are some people that are just petrified by being exposed to anything. You watch them when you venture into the grocery store and uh, they're just, oh, it's just like, they. it's, it's almost like they're, <clears throat> they're afraid somebody's going to leap off the the, the canned pea shelf and knife them. And, you know, people are like that. They don't want to run any risk. And that we, 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 we honor them for being good um, members of society. But the most important thing you can do in life is to safeguard your spiritual walk. So I'm not suggesting that if somebody... Uh, accepts two or three of the things that we've talked about as elemental, and then they um, they also swallow hook, line, and sinker, a heresy, something that is just wickedness, that you just look past that. 
Now that that can that can be a blight, and we don't want that. And so, I'm very thankful that God has given us uh, a a wonderful, wonderful blessing to be able to um, to be able to link and connect with solid believers who have the fundamentals down uh, that are universally accepted as prerequisites to move in the things of the of of the Lord God. And what got me off on this mini tirade here is that I I'm so grateful that when we go around the world to where God lets us opens the door for us to go in ministry there are certain things that are absolutely linking points. First of all, God makes the appointments, and I mean that sincerely. Any kind of appointment we make brings about responsibility for us. And it's not like a pyramid scheme or, okay, we're going to make this contact and we're going to go in there and they're going to give us offerings and then we're going to be able to support our ministry. The places God is leading us, I would say probably... 95% of those we don't get any funds from. In fact, we're the ones that are investing into them. We're giving things away to them. And so I'm not out looking to, to add numbers. I only want the connect that God is bringing. But we have to know these are the things that are so commonly shared together. What do you believe regarding Jesus? What do you believe regarding the blood of Christ? What do you believe regarding the Word of God? What do you believe regarding what our, uh, what our life on earth is and where will we go when, when this life is over? Um, what, what do you believe about the efficacy of the saving power of Jesus? Those things are fundamental. And if you don't have those, you're, you've got a challenge in what you're going to build on because if the foundation is faulty, doesn't matter whether they whether they might be interested in your view on angels or whatever else you are going to do. And, you know, there are a lot of people around the world that like to have titillating conversations and uh, manifesting manifestation meetings. That I, I've had enough of those. I don't. I love for the spirit of God to move, but if somebody's just there because they want to see these odd people, they're not a whole lot different than the, than the, those that were up on Mars Hill who, who just wanted to hear the next strange doctrine. I, I remember when we first went into the beautiful country of France, the pastor who welcomed us there uh, came out of a, uh, he was raised European Catholic. And he, he became born again, and he, he would discuss things with me and anybody else who was listening from our team about when we go to minister to different places, what we might expect. And he talked about this. He said, there are a lot of people who want manifestations, and they'll come. And just because they're coming doesn't mean that you have a point of foundation with them spiritually. Uh, he, he even said, even as, uh, as a former Catholic, there are many Catholics who are, are not really born again. They're more, and he used this phrase, sometimes people get misty-eyed when you talk about this. He said they're mystics. They're not believers. He said, they've never asked Jesus into their life. They've never asked the Heavenly Father to forgive their sins and that they might be born again. The only thing they've ever done is go to the priest. And they, they, they've not studied the Scripture. They've studied the Catholic missals. They pray to saints. With their rosary beads, they pray to Mary. But they've many of them... He said, and I know because I was raised in this, and I, um, 
I also was this way, have never come into the knowledge of a saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're good people, but they come to the meetings because it's the, the, the latest thing in town, or they've, they've gotten used to either firebrand prophets or um, the, the dog and pony shows coming from Canada and the United States, which are exciting and, you know, it, it draws crowds. They like that. It's almost like going to a concert. And we talked about this on a number of occasions. And he said, what you may want to consider doing, and I have done this, unless I know the group that I'm with, he said, when you begin your meetings, you, at the very beginning, you ask everybody to pray the sinner's prayer and to affirm that Jesus Christ has been accepted into their lives and that they've asked him, they've asked the Father to forgive their sins. And we started doing that. And not long after that, a couple of the Catholic priests were hearing that we were doing this. And we did have a number of, we had some monks and we had some priests that would come to our meetings, which was interesting. Good people, good fellowship with them. Uh, there's, all kinds of, there's all kinds of Christians, there are all kinds of Catholics, so you can't paint them with one big broad brush. Um but some of the priests would say, you can go to the meetings and you can even let them lay hands on you, but we don't want you to pray that prayer and we don't want you to, to partake of communion with them. Very interesting. And so when we go places, we, we want to make sure that we are established with people who share what the scriptures say, what the scriptures say, are foundational points of contact. And so we, we try to do this, you know, so often. Like, for instance, when we go into Brazil and we love the Brazilian people, what an open door God has given. It is such a religious country. And there are so many strains of Christianity um, and, and everything is big. My goodness, you, you drive through Sao Paulo and you look and you see this massive temple and you see the massive structure of the Assemblies of God. It looks like a convention center. You, you drive through and everything's bigger and better. And then they have offshoots that spread out through the country. But in the midst of all of that, there are a lot of folks who establish churches and then they have, uh, there's one brother who has, he's a bishop. There's over a hundred churches that uh, have come alongside them because they don't want that big, that big show denomination. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying they want to have accountability. They want to have teaching. They want to be uh, aligned um, with those that are really trying to do the work. Those seem to be the ones that God is bringing to us, not only in Brazil, but in every part of the world. And we are privileged to be able to know those folks and to come into alignment with scriptural uh, foundational beliefs. And then we can share the deeper things of the scripture because it is scripture. It's not some mystic Catholic rogue priest who came up with some wacky stuff that is ingraining 50 other uh, points of dark light. This is from the scripture. This is from the scripture, and those folks honor that. There's a reason that the very beginning of our walk, God said, everything you do in the spirit realm, everything you do in intercession, everything you experience in manifestation, we're sh you're going to do it based on the scripture. And you know what? That has kept us safe, those, of you, those who will stay under that covering. But it's also been, for want of a better term, a calling card to those who are hungry, who God has prepared for this time frame to step into the deeper things of God. And so I'm very grateful for this. 
and it's it's only growing and i i'm i'm very grateful that you know, people know us and we know them and they recognize our heart for the Word of God. And so when we present something that is that is clearly in the Word but maybe has not been seen, which is really what truth is, and the Spirit has guided us into that, when we come to that point, they know that whatever is being taught by these saints is based in the Scripture. And we know them, we, we labor alongside them, and we, we trust the fact that this can be shown in Scripture. That's wonderful. It shouldn't be any other way. And so, you know, when you talk about the seven spirits, I remember when God began to talk to me about that because, you know, I was a classic Pentecostal. And the only thing I knew was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, which is a good thing to know. That's, that's the calling that God gave the church on the day of Pentecost, on the birthday of the church. And I never considered the other passages that t many of them that talk about the seven eyes and the seven lamps, which are the seven spirits of God, and many of those passages. What does that mean? How does that Holy Spirit uh, fit in with the seven spirits and so God began to lead us and we we I, I was inspired by the Lord to go through the scripture and find the, the references to the spirits of God and then God began to show their connection with his ways how a sevenfold declaration was made in many different places in the scripture many different places in the scripture, how it aligns with God's covenant for the earth, which was shown to Noah, the rainbow. And those dimensions of those seven colors form the white light. And scientifically, that's so. And so we begin to look at the ways of God, his person, the, the essence of who he is and how he's doing a thing. As the dimensions of the seven spirits. And God, God said, all right, I want you to really honor this and don't make this a doctrine, but just know that I'm going to be moving through you in a number of ways through my seven spirits. It's the way I do things. It's what I am in the most intimate part of who I am as God. The Holy Spirit, the Hagios Numa is one of those seven spirits. It forms the basis of who the saints are because Hagios is saints. And anytime you talk about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about people who are empowered by the Spirit of God to accomplish saint, saintly missions. And that just it doesn't mean being sin, sinless or following a bunch of orders. That's all holiness was when I was growing up. And you you know, it's a, it was a list of do's and don'ts, more don'ts than do's. You had people that dressed plain and women who wore their hair up in 15 beehives, and they were holy. And I, I recognize that, you know, as a little boy, you, you weren't able to do anything on Sunday, even though it really isn't the Sabbath. It's the first day of the week. The Sabbath is Saturday, but we considered it the Sabbath. So, we weren't able to watch sports or, or go out and throw the ball or do any other thing. And that was holy, which was kind of nonsense now I look at. And, you know, that the seventh day means something. And the rest does not mean that you just are inactive. You know, God had to install different restrictions for the Jewish people because he wanted them to shut everything down so that they could really focus on what the Sabbath really was. It was for men and women to honor at the end of the week what God had done through the week and to prepare themselves and commune for the coming of the new day. That's, that's a cardinal facet of the seven spirits. You always reflect on what God has done and you, you rest, or in other words, you commune with him 
you dwell in his spirit, you reflect, you rejoice his sons, and then you prepare yourself from that collective praise of what God had done and what he was saying for the new, and then you launch into the new day on the basis of that. That's what the seventh day is. It wasn't just don't do anything. Your ox is in a ditch, you know. Don't collect any bread on that. Get plenty the day before. Those restrictions were to just make the people quarantine themselves, as it were, and reflect. So people strain in that and swallow a camel. But holiness is from the standpoint of hagias, which, you know, you, you look even in the high and holy strongs, and it goes back to the Hebrew word chag, which is something that was not formed properly, that was, um, and even, even when you look at the, the feasts of God, they were designed to bring people together to say, where are we? How does God want us to move forward? Let's reflect here. Let's do something that is better through the direction of God and His grace. Let's do something that is proactive and new and creative. And that's, on a thumbnail, what a restoration kind of a viewpoint is that the saints are. So the church was given that responsibility. Whether it does it or not is is the big question. And that's one of the seven spirits. So anyway, a number of years ago, we started progressing with the Lord every year and say, okay, God, I believe that this year in the progression, you're really positioning us to move forward. And we've just come through this year of wisdom. And now, as is so often in the case, it's not necessarily calendrically, and it's not in the, even in the Jewish calendar. We're, we're going into the year of the prophet. And God has got some powerful things for us in regard to that, to where we lay ourselves down, martyria, which is the essence of prophecy. And we, we embrace the message and we go for, forward to bring uh, an establishment of what God's ways are, to state it, to be it, to see healing and supply and provision pour forth, restoring the green of vitality and health as opposed to the putrid green of bitterness and the mold of leprous um, pursuits where it eats away instead of brings life. The seed dies so that life might come. We're, we're pressing into that. And, and then plus, tomorrow is the first day in October. And that's no revelation. That's no newsflash. But the 10th month is traditionally, according to Zechariah and other references in the Old Testament, you know, it's one of the fast of feasting months, this 10th month where you rejoice instead of lament, where you look forward instead of mournfully looking backward. And I believe that, you know, our first Saturday prayer, which is shared with people around the world, we are we're going to be rejoicing on this Saturday at what God has done and what is happening and where we're going in him. It's, it's a fast of feasting where everyone speaks truth and peace to his neighbor. And we don't lament the tragedies and the challenges of the past, which some people make a career of. <clears throat> I'm amazed at what some people do. If you do this, you know, he's preaching at me. Well, maybe somebody needs to. Some people mark on their calendars days in their past that were marked by some kind of tragedy. Maybe someone died, or maybe something happened that was, that was awful. And when it comes to that day, all you hear about is, oh, this terrible thing. God doesn't like that. You know, forgetting the things that are behind. Press forward to the new. You know, God came to those folks who were in captivity, and he said, I'm about to transition you. You're going to go back. 
And I'm going to tell you something. I'm tired of four times a year you lamenting the fact that Jerusalem fell and you were carried, toted off to captivity. You stop doing that. Stop having that ungodly sorrow and start partnering with the angelic. Start looking forward to what I want to do, says the Lord. That's what we need to do this coming month. <clears throat> and that's what we need to do at our prayer time this Saturday. So that directive should be coming out today. Uh, let's be faithful to pray. And throughout this month, you know, the enemy tries to make this month one of darkness and evil and death. You know, it's punctuated by a holiday that is, I used to love when I was a kid and because of all the candy and, you know, the silly movies and, you know, you could dress up like your favorite cartoon character. I mean, that, that's festive. But the heart of it is wickedness. And I'm not trying to say, okay, make your kids don't eat candy, which they probably shouldn't eat as much as they do. Don't let them dress up like a princess if you're a little girl or a G.I. Joe or a policeman. Don't let them do that because they're honoring the enemy. Give me a break. Come on. But, you know, there are a lot of parents in my church that when their children were little, if they were going to be doing Harry Potter stuff or if they were going to be honoring witchcraft or something like that, they would keep their kids out of school that day. I commend them. So you, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but you look at that bathwater. And before you put that kid in the bathwater, you make sure there's not some dark poison in there. So, but the enemy wants that to be, uh, this month to be this mysterious thing that's just wickedness. And you can triumph in the midst of this month. And we intend to do that. So at some point, we're going to have a fast of feasting, a time of rejoicing where we reflect before the Lord. And uh, I don't know when that will be. I think it'd be good for us to do it as a network. So we'll prayerfully contemplate that. We'll let everybody have a heads up as to when that's going to be. And we, we need to celebrate before the Lord because this year has been uh, an amazing year of a lot of different restrictions and challenges. But it's been an innovative and a creative year, and we've, we've gone forth into the new in, in ways that we would not have gone into, probably, had we not been restricted in other areas. So I encourage you to come together and honor the prayer time this coming Saturday or this weekend, and we're going to do this before the Lord and we're going to see great, great things in him. And I'm, I'm so thankful to our Father for the various principles and uh, measures of understanding that he's given. It's not, it's not traditions. It's ways of life that work things for us. One of the things I hated as a kid was I was faithful in church, always there when... I had to be. That's what my parents demanded, and I'm grateful for it. There were so many things we did that, as a church, that we didn't have answers to why we did them. And a lot of them were nonsensical. I won't go into them. But, you know, people, why do we do this? Oh, just because we've always done it. This is what God wants. Why does he want it? Oh, I don't know. But you better do it. I, I'm grateful that God has given us understandings and meanings so that our yea is yea and our nay is nay. We don't just accept things verbatim. We base them on Scripture and we bring them to bear uh, in, in ways that are really powerful. So, to the message. <laughs> Um, we've talked about so many other things. It was not my intent to do that. So I have to believe that the Lord was directing us there. I have been absolutely enthralled by the rhema of Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Uh, in fact, it's just a passage which I've known but it is a 
a hyper rhema for me. And I, I believe that God is giving us an insight into not only the type of praying that Paul did, but he's giving us an insight into how our mindset should be regarding our walk in God and regarding prayer. And, and as I, let's read this. Uh, many of you have already, I, I'll just quote it. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's, that's an amazing, that's an amazing passage because it lists various types of prayer and a perspective. To me, it aligns itself with a fivefold mind of Christ viewpoint. It was another thing that the fivefold, um, I don't, uh, if I extrapolate off on that, we'll never get through what I feel the Lord wants us to say in Scripture here. But the five is really the way God thinks. He gave covenant blessings through five points. And God released at the ascension of Jesus the, the fivefold ministry, which really empowers his people to move in that mind. Now, there are individuals who are blessed in all five of these capacities. Every person should think in a fivefold way based upon what the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist really means. An apostle is not just the, the big catchword now. It means that you have the anointment and you can draw a lot of people. You know, the circus draws people. Do they do circuses anymore? I think human rights, animal rights people have pretty much shut them down. You know, you, you, you can draw a crowd anywhere. It doesn't mean that there's any anointing there. A lot of people go to churches because they like the music. Or they like being in a big crowd or in a new facility. Or for those who are not married, and God forbid some that are, they like going to bigger churches because there's a lot of fish in the sea for them to uh, hobnob with, maybe from a business perspective or from a dating perspective. I've been in church a long time, and if, if you don't see this, you're just, you've got a null point in your, in your brain, I think. And so attracting crowds doesn't really mean you're an apostle. An apostle is somebody who's representing a word. There's the word post there, representing a message that is new, and that is a, a measure of partnering in the glory. You, you've got a, a new agenda from God. And it's, it's the driving force of who you are. The teacher is someone who, who is continually, from the basis of what their foundational understanding is, is willing to be guided into new truths from the Word of God. And... There's a difference between being somebody who just is a walking encyclopedia of biblical knowledge and somebody who uses that as a foundation to explore what God may be saying afresh and anew through the living word. Now, I had a lot of teachers in Bible college and seminary, and I blessed them, who didn't really believe in the new things that God was doing. They would say so. It wasn't me bringing a, an accusation against him. They would say so. And back then, it was the charismatic movement and, you know, the, 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 uh, the voice of healing and the latter rain was just basically winding up and the, the faith movement was starting. And, you know, there were a lot of different streams of what God was doing. And these folks had no interest in any of that. They had no answers. They had no direction for any of that, which kind of left the movement that we were in in a bad position because then you were just saying no to everything. And that's not a, that's not a good position. You know, it's, it's just not a good position. And I know you've got to be, you've got to defend but 
the teacher should be someone who knows the word and who is listening to God and is able to assess what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And from that bastion of understanding and uh, of uh, assessment, then you can glean proper prophetic perspective. What are we going to be willing to commit our life to through God and through his word? What foundational understandings are we basing our stand on? And how are we willing to exert ourselves on that behalf? That's the prophetic. And the evangelist comes in. It's not somebody that just has slick hair and and he has four or five sermons that are real stem winders, and they can go out and preach at stadiums and get everybody wound up. Those are more really gifted speakers. and may, may or may not be evangelists. The evangelist is somebody that is a precursor to the apostolic message. Whatever from the basis that you have in prayer, which is the pastor, the pastoral office, prayer, the development of the giftings in people and being willing to sense what the Spirit is saying and going with it, praying in diversities of tongues, um, developing spiritual giftings in the people and staying in line with where the Spirit is leading. That's the pastoral framework. And the evangelist, based on those four, those other three offices, is explosive. They, they, they speak, they're excitedly speaking about how this perspective is life-bringing, dunamis, function comes. They, they, the grace remedies, the gifts of healings, the grace remedies, we're going to break through into the new, and here's how. Eomide, a remedy, we're, we're, we're going to do it this way, this way, this way. Let me demonstrate for you. And then, of course, the apostolic, which is the essence of what God is causing you to, to represent, and that becomes you. And it should make a big difference. All of these things coordinate together. And you see those five aspects from what God said to Adam, what God said to Noah, what God said through Joel, and on Pentecost, and in many other places. So when we talk about a five-fold understanding, it really is aligning with the way God's thinking, but what God is really saying in you and through you for a, for a, for a movement, for a church for individuals, but also bring it all right down, how we think, how we process. And it's, it's a very simple thing. If you want to have the mind of Christ, you're going to have to think in a fivefold way. You just are. And you say, oh, I don't know how to do that. Some people just start scratching their head and they, I don't get it, I don't get it. And, and it's, that's just, I'm not even going to say what that is. It's so plain here in the scripture. So they shut it off and they say, I don't get this. But yet in other parts of life, you multitask. You can be thinking about this. You can be thinking about this. Your main objective is over here. You've got to be careful to do this, to make that possible. And then through it all, you've got to be supplied. That's fivefold thinking. We do that in life. I'm going to go out and get in the car. I've got to go. I've got to get gasoline, and I've got to make sure my car is serviced, and then I've got to drop by here to get groceries, and then I'm going to go over here, and then I've got to do th these. I don't get it. I don't get it. We do it in all kinds of times in life. What's the main objective that is ruling the day? That has to be, but we've got to do these other things. And they all fit in harmony together. But when it comes to the simple things of the word of the Lord, sometimes the human mind gets antsy. Why? Maybe they're jealous of the person who's bringing the message. Maybe they don't want to accept this. Maybe they have some other kind of training that's really got them wound up. And if they accept this, this pretty much does away with that. There are all kinds of reasons that people balk at what God is saying. Um, but we, we must see this in the Word. So let's look at what I just quoted. Paul is saying, I've learned not to be careful for anything, not to 
not to get bent out of shape over anything. Boy, that's a big one right there. It, yeah. When life approaches you, so many times things happen that in themselves can take you off course. Can immediately, it's kind of like there was a movie not too long ago that talked about a really cute little movie about the various types of things that go on in people's thinking in the brain and you know, every one of these little characters represented something like that. And it was in a little girl, and it was her mind. And sometimes things would happen, and there was one guy that was played by the comedian Louis Black, and he would get all red, and the alarm, the alarms would go off. And, and you know, I, I, I think that so often when circumstances come to us, we... We have to really tone that little fella down because we all have the tendency of just going wheels off. Be careful for nothing. In other words, whatever's coming to you, chill. Don't overreact. Don't ignore. But, but don't be in fear. Fear not. The most repeated command in the word, fear not. Get a hold on that. And listen, I know. I know what that's like. Every person, I think, deals with that. Now, some people, when that comes, they don't dwell in fear. They, they react. Sometimes they yell or they get defensive or they go on the attack we, we need to tone all of that down measure twice cut once evaluate and if you if you process properly you you don't have to step down and go into a, a possum mode where you're playing possum and you're not doing anything you you don't let the circumstance dictate the day be careful for nothing but in everything, what are we supposed to do? By prayer and supplication, this is prosuke and diasis. Now, I, I put these into a five-fold dimension. You can do it too. Maybe you come up with different angles, but there are five points here. So everybody thinks differently. It's kind of like, you know, I've said this before, having two people who cook in the kitchen making the same thing. They all have the same ingredients, usually, but they do it differently. Some things are constant. Oh, I like to do this first. Oh, I do this first. I save this for later. Blah, 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 blah. It's all in the way you think about it. And I've heard people talk about their, their recipe and how they do it. And, you know, it's great. People can look at the same things and... They've got all the elements there. They just respond differently. Even in watching a film or reading a book, sometimes a book club. Um, I, I've been reading a lot of books lately. And not demonized books, not marginal books, just books based on topics that the Lord brings me to. <clears throat> And sometimes I read the, the responses and the, the reviews and what stands out to one reviewer is a minimal viewpoint in another viewer, reviewer. And, and sometimes I'll read a number of people's opinions on the book that, that I just read and they're all stay, stating things that I know are points of understanding in that book but the main thing to me is something totally different do i go running out saying i don't get it i don't get it or do i say the main thing is that all the points are here and how you allow them to direct and influence you is often a a very subjective thing and and that's only good 
You know, when, when we have a mission here at, at our church or on behalf of the Saints Network, I, I notice the way people who are, who are participating, how they align. Some people will find a great calling in a certain facet. It's necessary for them to embrace that. Another has a proclivity to follow this, all in the same frame of what the fivefold is, and it all strengthens to lead toward the objective. Now, I tried as the leader to follow the objective. If you're going to keep your eye on a target, a target. If you don't, you're going to miss. Somebody's got to be watching the road. You know, you may be looking at all kinds of other instruments, um, but somebody's got to be watching the road or you're going to end up in a ditch or in a seducing pathway. You better pray that the person who's watching the road has a pure perspective of what God really wants to do. So here's the five. Prayer and supplication. Prosuke and deasis. This is grace and supplication. And, and I, I really think that supplication, the deasis, fits with the pastor because that's the essence of prayer. We've got to be a people who recognize that we're partnering with God in prayer. That's, that's the essence of the pastoral gifting. Now, again, that involves in a wider scale from the New Testament, diversities of tongues and keeping uh, the, the gifts, the governments, the, the people's giftings and callings being developed and applied and also moving in the timing as the Spirit changes hands and directs a turn or, or wants to guide us in, in a new direction uh, in accordance with our calling, but in a new direction. So, to me, supplication there is the pastor, and prosuke is the teacher. Prosuke is gleaning all kinds of insights, all kinds of things prophetically that God is saying by virtue of you being a committed person in supplication, which is partnership with God, which is praying according to his mandates and his directives and not just spilling out your, your list of requests. The prayer and supplication to me in this fivefold align with the pastor and the teacher. With thanksgiving, Eucharistia, this is good the good grace of God where, where God is directing. That's the exuberance of the evangelist, a spark, somebody that is just devoted to those excited. Maybe this is a fueler. Maybe it's somebody that is just kind of a good clubhouse person that's keeping everybody going. Come on, guys, we can do this. Encouraging. And with thanksgiving, where, how is God leading us forward? And how is this aligned with the good, the, the eternal purpose? That's terrific. And then you come to let your requests. This is Itama coming from Iteo, which we've studied about a lot recently. That chain of command kind of prayer where you're praying upwards to the Father. Jesus used this term over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm not, a, I'm not overemphasizing the overs. When he was telling his disciples, I'm leaving, this is the kind of prayer you're praying before the Father now. You are, you are in an authority structure where you're serving him. And the basis of these other things, I'm going to show you specific things that you must hone in on. This is the prophetic mindset. It's the palal of the New Testament. And we have, to, we have to focus on this and know that God is directing us. And this is the list. The itema is the list of the iteo. And it's, it's that you have remembered what God is saying. You have remembered this and you are, you're not forgetting this. You're reminding yourself of these things. Um, and and this, is, this is what God is, is telling us. Um, 
don't don't lose focus on what God has said and and the the ongoing point of defining as he's giving direction. It's up to you to remember. Put me in remembrance, says the Lord. Not because God has forgotten, but because how often we forget. It always astounds me in church, and it's not just my church, it's me too. Not the Me Too movement. It's moi aussi. Uh, the, the way that God can say something phenomenal three days before, and by the next service, people have forgotten it. We, we've got to cherish the words God has given and the directives that God has given, and we're insisting upon them. Well, where's the apostle? We're almost out of time here. The peace of God, the accomplishment of mission, the going out and the coming back, the going out in obedience and the coming back with, with victory, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Your heart is that dimension where your, your, your emotions, your mind, your, your body, all of those things come into harmony. They get in the car together and the heart is the steering wheel. And your, your mind here is a conjunction. It's, it's a conjunctive combination of two different words, the, the noema, which is the thoughts, and the humon, which is what really you have brought into your life that you rely on in the way you think. If you do these other things and you're a person based upon the task of the Father, the peace of God, then you're you're going to be um, it's gonna it's gonna pass it's gonna overcome it's gonna supersede the crazy things that we usually let our minds direct us into and we will be kept in our heart and our mind kept here is interesting because it's a it's a word that is a military term it means to be guarded over it means to be watched. And who's doing this? Christ Jesus. Now, that, that military is not a totalitarian regime rule. It's not going to make you do any of these things. But when you do these things, you have to know that the Lord is with you and he's watching over you. We need to work on having our thoughts and our prayers focused in this way. In everything means everything. Oh, but it doesn't mean tomorrow. Oh, but it doesn't. No, it doesn't mean Tuesday. I'm just too busy on Tuesday. You should see my work schedule. Oh, you know, my daughter called me about this and she's worried about this. And so we have to do things a different way. You know, that's good Christian stuff. It's good saint stuff. But I got to deal in everything. If you have developed a habit of becoming whatever the people you're around are, you're in a peck of trouble. Because a lot of those folks, no matter how much you love them, are not walking the saint's path. And you're going to have to give an account for that. I want you to know this. In everything, I think this way. I'm not going to get overblown. And that you got to police that in your own. Don't defund that policing. It, it's got to be. You are a person of partnership and grace. You are gleaning from God. You are excited about the grace pathway God has you in. You're remembering the salient points from his spirit that he's saying, and you're insisting upon them, and you're going to accomplish the mission, and your heart and your mind are going to come into line, and the Lord God is going to be guarding over all of it in a military fashion. And nobody, no spirit of hell, no height or depth or principality or power are going to be able to, to take you off course because the love and the agape of God is keeping you. We need to work on this. We need to really work on this, that this is the way we think. Now then Paul goes into verse 8. You can read these. You know, the pure, the lovely, the, the good report, the virtue, the praise. 
keep your emotions and your viewpoints, if they don't line up with this, out of the pool. Get them out of there. And learn this. You've received it. You've heard it. You've seen it done in the Apostle Paul. Do them. And the God of peace will be with you. wonder where he is. He's always with you. But I wonder what happens when you're not doing these things. If you have to do all these things for him to really be working alongside you, I want that, don't you? Amen. Well, we're out of time. Look forward to praying with you this coming Saturday. Let's enter this month of October rejoicing. Let's have it be a month of great, great blessing in the Lord as we look forward to the new. And we will, again, if you've not already received it, you'll be receiving the, the, the five-fold prayer directive for this coming Saturday, first Saturday. Let's be faithful to pray. Tomorrow night, another prayer primer. Be ready for that. Let God move with you in the night season. And I'm past time here, so I'm going to say adieu, and may God be with all of you. Thanks for tuning in. Goodbye.